Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Stoked to have you guys here. Before we get too far into this, Race Tech. Pulp 2022 is the code to save with Race Tech. Get your suspension work done. Get your motor work done. They do both over there. Get the right spring rates. Get the oil change in your fork and shock, for God's sake. And have your bike work better for you. Pulp 2022 is the code to save with Race Tech, Racetech.com. There's Race Tech service centers all across America. Please check out their very, very informative website to learn more about the guys at Race Tech and all that they do over there. Thank you to those guys. They've been part of our podcast for a long time, and we appreciate it. Use the code, save some money, Race Tech. Also, thanks to the folks at allballsracing.com. You go to allballsracing.com, see all the products that they have. It's great parts at great prices. Super good reliability. I've used them on all my project bikes. I've used them on my own bikes, whether it's the Vertex Pistons, whether it's Hot Rods, whether it's the uh, Bike in a Box, whatever it is, the All Balls Racing Group will have you covered. Hot cams and hot rods and all of that. Again, uh, older bikes, newer bikes, they've got parts for all of it. Allballsracing.com for your next aftermarket purchase to help your motorcycle out. Thanks to those guys for coming on board. All right, on to the show. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. The guys at Fly Racing have been supporting this show for a long time, so please support them. Go to motorsport.com, go to your local dealer, ask to see the latest and greatest from Fly Racing. Big things coming from them next month in January as well. Flyracing.com, the official gear of Justin Brighton, who just clinched an Australian Supercross Championship again. Uh, they have the uh, BOA system on the back of their pants. Uh, they have it on the front of their pants for one line as well. Super good uh, styles, colors, all of that. Uh, I love the kinetic mesh, although a little cold for kinetic mesh right now, but it's super lightweight, super flexy in the right spots, as well as um, very, very cool and vented. Again, it's December, though. Uh, thanks to the folks at Fly Race and the Formula Helmet. It's also amazing. Rion Technology. Go to their website. Read all about it. They have different shells, different price points, but same great safety features in the Formula Helmet line. A massively step up from these guys the last few years. Really, really great helmet. Thank you to the folks at Fly Racing. And uh, also, thanks to the folks at Maxxis Tires, MXSTs, developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by A-Ray. Out there in the 2023 Supercross, Max's Tires, great mountain bike tires as well. I run the Minions out here in Vegas. I implore you to check out their line of mountain bike tires. It's great. Put them on your dirt bike as well. They work really well. Uh, MXSTs, Jeremy uses them, and and more. And they've been race-proven race in Supercross main events. Light truck tires, trailer tires as well, Maxxis.com for more information. Thank you to the folks at Renthal. Chances are, if you're listening to this and you have used Renthal products in the past, you know their quality and you know where they come from. Whether it's a twin wall bar, whether it's fat bar, fat bar 36, 
whatever it is, Renthal.com, chains, sprockets, grips, and more. Uh, everything made over there in the U.K., uh, great uh, quality as well. So go to, go to motorsport.com and uh, order some Renthal or uh, just go to Renthal.com, find your local dealer. You can get stocking advice and what they have. You can also find out a bar band that you work, that works for you. Official sponsor of the Red Bull KTM team, Kawasaki, Honda, all of that. Thanks to the folks at Renthal for making this happen. Renthal.com for more information. Interesting podcast I got coming up here with Michael Brandis, former uh, pro rider, won a 125 Supercross a long time ago, and uh, had a nice career off the bike. And I just, I'm in a group text with a bunch of pros now, and they told me to check out Michael Brandis' Strava. This was six months ago or something. Uh, and I did that, and I'll tell you more about Strava and what it is in this podcast. But this guy's unbelievable. Um, he's an ex-motocrosser, obviously, and you know the name. Hopefully you know the name. If not, check him out at the vault. I also did a long-form podcast with him uh, years ago. You can also look at that as well for more history about his work on the bike. Just Google uh, Racer X Podcast Michael Brandis. But this podcast is more about this guy's incredible Strava and his uh, dedication to riding his bicycle. It's next level. It's amazing. I wanted to find out, find out what he's doing, why he's doing it, the psychological trauma he's putting himself to on some of these rides, and more. Interesting guy. Uh, very, very talented motocross rider, too. So stoked to talk to Michael Brandis, and uh, away we go. All right, now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racerex podcast, a guy I've done with uh, one of these before. It's a long time ago, but I had to call him to check up on him because – his uh, his Strava is simply something else, and his great moto career as well. Supercross winner, of course. Michael Brandis. What's up, Brandis? How are you, man? Life is pretty good. Uh, just taking a slight break from uh, all the riding I've been putting in this year. Um, we've been getting some rain up here, which is actually a good thing um, for numerous reasons, but it's uh, giving me a little rest off the bike to kind of recharge. And I need a little... Uh, let's say at least a little bit of time before January starts. Mm-hmm. I'm working on some crazy ideas of what I'd like to do next year, uh, riding wise. So, uh, there's a couple ideas I'm tossing around. Not really sure about it. Cause you gotta think realistically, you don't want to bite off too much. And so sure. I'm, I'm still working it out a little bit. What, uh, what are you doing these days? What, where are you at? Where are you living? Uh, and what's going on? So uh, still up in uh, Northern California, up by uh, Pleasant Hill by Walnut Creek, mm-hmm. uh, about a half hour from San Francisco. Um, for the most part, I have not actually ridden a dirt bike in many, many years, and I wish I could. Um, unfortunately, some of the injuries sustained, I got some disc damages in my back, and if you know I was to continue, I don't want to go down the route to the what if. So. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I just, I got to stay away. So, um, figured out what I was going to try and do after racing. And I've, the last 12, this is the last 12 years, I've been involved in solar. Um, started off, you know, being out in at the field, being an electrician, crew lead, run of the crews, uh, then progressed up and, uh, went through inspections and, uh, service and surveys and management and, Mm-hmm. I always like to call management as kind of just uh, babysitting because it's just dealing with all the BS that comes in and uh, trying to address it on a daily basis. Um, but then eventually I moved into the uh, the engineering and the design side of the all of the projects, 
And that was actually the fun side of it. Mm-hmm. So after about 10 years of work, finally got into an area that was enjoyable. Um, so basically, I'd oversee all the, the projects of taking all the information from the surveys, assess what can be done to the house, how many panels, how much production you need to do, can your house sustain what you want to do. You know, you get people be like, well, I want 14 EV chargers for my 17 Teslas. And I'm like, man, you just, it's not going to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> they ask for everything. Right. So well, you're, um, you're in a good area they, for that, too, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, the, you know, the tech industry up here. So everything is booming with the electrical cars and solar. And it's, it's good. Um, but there's no passion whatsoever. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah. I, I hate, you know, you know, I'm thankful to have a job in this and that, but it's, it's, it's just a different type of grind when you go to work every day and you'd rather just be doing something else. It reminds me of going to school as a kid and all I could think about all day was getting home so I could ride my bike. Mm -hmm. And that's all I've been doing for the last five years was just, I want to hurry up and get home so I can go ride my bike and put in some miles before it gets dark. Like that's the way it became. And it was, it was hard and it's, it was fun and it had potential with position, but it just, it's really, you know, and there's no passion in drive. It just gets blah and you just, it makes very long monotonous days. And it's, yeah. it's just not the way I want to spend. I'm like, okay, I got to work. How many more years the rest of my life do I just want to go to work and go blah. So, um, just trying to figure out ways how to bring that smile and that drive back and enjoy myself. You know, we only get one of these lives, so right. Got it. Got to make the mess of it. So I'm taking. I'm guessing, judging by the miles you've been doing, you've you're independently wealthy now, Brandis, or something, or you made enough money doing solar that you can you can afford to pedal as much as you've been doing. So at the beginning of the year, let's see, January, February, March. I was still working full time, and um, but that's you know after pandemic, mm-hmm. we were able to work from home. So I was you know spending hours till ten, eleven o'clock at night sometimes because you know I went on a six hour ride. You know, yeah. um, so I was still trying to make it all work, and uh, we came to a butt with the company, and things were not. They were wanting to go a completely different direction, and. We had some came to an intersection, and I was really not pleased with what they were willing to do. Um, I guess to say it shortly is, I've always been trying to like you want to do it 100 percent, do it correctly because if you don't, it's just not done right. You got to come back and pick up all the pieces. And I was constantly just being like, "Oh, the project's good enough. Like we'll figure it out as we go." I'm like, "You can't just figure it out along the way." Like. If I was a customer and I knew this was going on, I'd be pissed. And so right. I always had kind of a neutral stand at work and kind of backed the customers more than the company. And that kind of bothered them. But at the point, I'm like, I go, these, these customers are spending 40, 50, 60, 100,000 of dollars on yeah. these systems. And the, and the uh, companies are just saying, give me your money, give me your money. And I'm like, ah. So that aspect really started to wear on me, and I sure. kept giving a lot of pushback and putting my foot down. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell the customer that. And it started leading to a lot of problems because they just wanted me to snowball the customers to get the project through. And mm-hmm. uh, 
so anyways, we, we decided it'd be best to go our different ways. And so I was sitting, you know, so I go, okay, I'm going to go ride my bike for a couple of days, a week, sort this out. And then I was like, do I really want to put in another application to do the same thing? I was just miserable at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I was just riding and riding. And then it was more, it kind of got to the point. So I was so used to the, you know, the grind up here in the Bay area is the same as LA and any other big com- uh, uh, city. It's like, you're up at four or five and you're sitting in an hour and a half to traffic work. So I was already, you know, getting up super early. So I'm, I'm just going to go start riding my bike. And, um, Grant, I'd already been riding quite a bit, you know, previously over the years. So did you, did you train, like just, did you train on a bicycle for moto? Were you into it then when you were that's racing? That's how it actually got started in okay. what year was it? Uh, 2001, uh, case the triple last year riding a two stroke 125 and just kind of compress compression fractured my ankle and so the cartilage is damaged mm-hmm. and so i can't run yeah and so that's what kind of led me into uh randy lawrence used to let me borrow his road bike and so that's how it kind of got started from there and then pedaling with some of the guys and mm-hmm. it was just that's how it got started okay. so um but i raced bmx before i got involved in the motorcycles at all so i've always been on you know a two-wheel machine since i was a little kid so right so so you 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 stopped doing that and then you started bicycling a little bit a little bit turns into more and more and more yeah there was a so there was a period where when i was building myself up through solar i didn't do anything but work i mean i was putting in 60 hour weeks just there early coming in is dark going home when it's dark because it's like when it's busy it's busy and it's like mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't get the time to go ride and do things and so as i slowly started to ride again i tried to get a little bit of balance better balance with work and ride to work one of the days or do a lunch ride or take a day off just to go ride like just try to be active again because it was it was just it was very stagnant for a while and then it's like it changes you, like mentally. You're used to like being active so much, and all of a sudden you start yeah, stop, and yeah. you're just like, "Oh, what's going on?" So, needed to make some changes, and eventually started to ride more over the years, and was able to manage work and and cycling, and you know, life was yeah. good. It was fun. Now, if, if people don't know, there's an app called Strava. I'm on it. Um, anybody who trains pretty hard is on it 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 uh it keeps track of your rides it lets you uh, know all sorts of uh, of things that you do your heart rate elevation distance uh, it measures against other rides you can look at your friends rides you can look at new trails etc cetera, etc cetera. it can give you uh, a yearly look at your fitness and all this kind of stuff and so you this is how i've talked to you for moto triple x stories and i've done a podcast before but your strava was brought to my attention i don't know six months ago and you, <laughs> you are by, so just for an example, you went 134 miles a couple weeks ago, seven hour ride, 7,000 feet of climbing. You went 129 miles two days before that, 8,500 feet of climbing, eight hours. Then you, before that, it was 150 miles, 10,000 feet, 10 hours 
on a bicycle. These are all rides that are like a day apart or a day and a half apart or whatever. It it's phenomenal, Brandis. Like you are, you, 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 yeah. It's just it's amazing what you've done. So for one week, for example, uh, you went 415 miles for the week of November 14th to November 20th. Uh, the week before that. And, you know, again, stop me if you, if you, you know, again, if you've heard this before. No, these numbers, when you say, like, 400 miles a week, like, yeah. that is about my average <laughs> weekly mile for the entire year. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like, yeah. so anyways, like, yeah, I had, I had several, several weeks of, like, 600-plus miles. But anyways, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Continue on, yeah. It's, 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 you can, and when you go back in your Strava, and, and I did this, you can see 40 miles and 60 miles and 80 miles, and now you are a full fiend of bicycling. You, you know, you can see where you've started to do more and more and kind of stretch your rides, and, and obviously you're loving it more and more. But, dude, again, and I, I am nowhere near a bicyclist like you or Johnny O or any of these uh, – Wardy and these other dudes, but I've certainly – I've done some gnarly rides, you know, 40-mile rides and – 30 mile mountain bike rides and and sometimes those you are in a deep part of where you're pushing everything you have out of your body and then you're doing this for 10 hours a day what what sort of what became this is an addiction brandis this is an addiction <laughs> what when did it become one for oh, you yeah. when, when did it become one for you uh when i figured out a process how to do it and not kill yourself like physically um there's a process of, you know, people talk all the zone one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. six training of yep. you. Everyone's a little bit different in the areas where they perform, um, you know, based on your, you know, your view two of what you were, as you're born, like everyone's born. You're either like born with like a Honda Civic engine or you're born with sure. a Ferrari engine or somewhere in between. And mm-hmm. so, but you take, regardless of where it's at, you take you as a person and you work on that and you don't try to go. One of the things that like, I try to tell people some of the basic info is straight up. Number one, check your ego at the door. When you go ride your bike, like, mm-hmm. unless you line it up on a, on a pro start line, you're getting paid money, ride it, ride the ride, be comfortable, enjoy yourself, throw down some heaters here and there, but you can't go full bore all day. Not even the pros can do that just because, they go faster. It's just they're still in a very light, easy, low heart rate, but just going way faster than you. So you can't compare yourself to people. And over the time of failing and just being dead and still having 30 miles to get home, like, you learn this. Like, okay, like, don't go so hard at the beginning. Manage your efforts. And then you find zones you're comfortable in and you ride and you're able to push. But it's it's like a staircase. So it's not like I just decided to do all this in one year. I mean, last last year was a big year as well where I did a million feet. And I was like, whoa, that is fucking amazing. Like, I was pretty floored on that. And then, but it's a staircase of just, if you ride 40 miles, great. Ride 42 or 44 miles next week. Like, don't try to go 40 miles and yeah. 80, then 120. Like, that's how you have knee injuries and hip injuries shoulder, neck pain, like progression, progression, just a little bit at a time. And it may seem, you know, you know, just like if you're going to, if you give a a person of a different example of a, 
you're going to lose an X amount of weight. You're not going to lose it in one week. But mm-hmm. if you go two pounds, two and a half pounds every week, eventually you're going to get there. And it's the same thing with cycling. Like up until a couple of years ago, I never, I'd done one century ride pre pandemic. Okay. And then this happened. So it's not, it's just, <laughs> there's a formula. So, I'm getting off track here, but the, <laughs> well, just talk about, talk, talk, you know, I mean, just tell us about how this became just something you just had to do. You just had to start doing and okay. you started going further and further. So, so after I uh, split ways with work, mm-hmm. then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to get up. I'm going to go ride. I'm going to grab lunch and grab a coffee. And I was just, I was just riding to have fun. And if, if I rode 40 miles, great. I'll try and do a big ride. I'll do 80. Maybe I'll hit a hundred mile ride this week. Awesome. But it was just, it was just about going out and enjoying yourself. Like not being in a rush, not having a timeline of, I got to be home in two hours. And, um, being able to do that, I was able to each week just go, okay, I'm going to get up. You know, you get up at five o'clock, you get your, your coffee and you get all your stuff situated and get ready, get your bottles, get your food, get your map, get your plan. Yeah. But some days I wouldn't even do the route. I would just hop on my bike. You know, we have a lot of great riding. So I'm like, I'm just going to go ride that way and get lunch and then ride the other way. You know, that way maybe 50 or 60 miles, but that's just what I started doing. It was just, yeah. it was fun. Uh, we have great roads, which makes it good. Um, yeah, you, have, you live in a, a great area. You live in a great area for this, for sure, right? I mean, I can see oh. your rides are Berkeley and, and across the the water, over to uh, a national park. Uh, it's yeah, it's some great rides. Yeah, and then and so if anybody you look go back and you look through my rides on Strava, I take a lot of pictures and I take yep. videos. Like yep. it documents where you ride, how nice it is, why you'd want to actually go there and ride and how how easy it is for me to gear up and go back out there and do it again because there's you know there's beautiful single lane up through the redwood mountains like there's some awesome awesome stuff here that i think a lot of people don't understand how nice it is up here riding so that's another aspect that makes it easy to hop on the bike and just go ride every day you uh you you double these things up in a week what are you doing for recovery like again you're in great shape there's no doubt but you know, you're doing 150 miles, and then two days later you're doing 129, you know, then a day off, and then the next day 134. What are you doing to recover? Are you like, – how so is there's, this? So there's there's a couple things that I take into, take into consideration here. It's people go, oh, well, if you take this nutrition supplement, you need your protein drink, just pump your brakes on that. It is – so much more it's a full rounded package from like how much water you drink how much sleep you get what you're eating your effort on the bike like and you know i over the last two years you know stopped drinking 100 percent, and so you're putting no alcohol in your system which a lot of people think like oh that's no big deal a little bit here and there don't get me wrong. I've done plenty of drinking in my life, and I'm not knocking anybody mm-hmm. that likes to do it every day. Like, that's not what I'm saying. 
But if you're worried about performance, you have to consider everything you put in your body. So every single beer you're putting in your body, your body's spending effort and energy just to filter that shit out instead of help your body recover. So even nutrition, you're sleeping, and when you're resting. So if you have a rest day, the last thing you want to do is go walk around and do a bunch of extra exercise. Like my days I took off, like I would do some stretching and like 10 minutes of exercise in the morning. And then I would rest and plan out routes and I would sit on the couch all day. I'd rest, rest. Just like you hear about the, the pro tour guys of like, when they say they rest, mm-hmm. they rest. You sit your ass on the couch and you don't do anything. You get up to eat and go to the bathroom and then you go back to the couch mm-hmm. <laughs> and you rest at every possible count. Yeah. Um, and proper nutrition, not just eating, but quality vegetables with nutrition. And it's not a, people get way overexcited about carb loading. Like we got to slow down a little bit on that. Uh, it's a balanced diet. Like our body has so much extra calories built into it. Unless you're like 1% body fat and that's a different program, but that's, that's not relevant to most of the world. So what's your body, what's your body fat at? What are you at? Do you even know? I'm going to guess from what I've done in the past, like, I don't know, maybe five or six. Yeah. Jeez. Um, um, a little bit more at a couple months ago, like when I was riding six days a week and doing in these 600 mile weeks, I could tell my, my weight dropped. Like, like from when I was racing moto, I was a pretty thin dude. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like I was 175 pounds and at this year, my lowest point I got was 155 at a six one dude. So that's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty lean. Um, not by that was, believe me, that's not by trying to do that. I was still eating donuts on rides, um, to get those sugars and stuff that you need sometimes. So, um, but when you just, you're burning five or I think on the average it was like five, six, 7,000 calories. I was putting out every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. So it's hard to keep, you can only eat so much broccoli. Like you're not going to get that many calories from broccoli and chicken and rice. It just, you got to consume other stuff. So, uh, it became, your, my body kind of became like a science project for a while. Of yeah. I mean, figuring out I gotta what say. works, how much, yeah. how much sugars, how much pastas, how much this, like what works, what works for, and you find a routine and you stick with it. And so a lot of the guys that I know that I ride with it, just they don't stick with the routine. And that's the one thing that works. If you have a formula that works, whether it's building a race car engine, land development, real estate, cycling, you stick with the program that works. And a lot of people, they don't. So if you have something that works, slowly modify it. Don't make no crazy changes, but just stair steps along the way. Uh, and you can get to where you want to go. Do you? Yeah, you take a lot of pictures. It looks like a uh, couple hours uh, of of rest time in a you know in a hundred and fifty mile. Uh, you, I guess you're stopping to eat, right, or grab a coffee, or are you are you um, sort of soaking it in on these rides? Like you're 
you are stopping for food, or what are you stopping for? I would say on average is usually two espresso stops mm-hmm. on a long day, something for actually to get like a small sandwich, um, but not like you just when you start riding so much, you can't eat bars and gels all day every day. Like you're gonna go crazy. <laughs> so right, right. I became. Uh, I would try to eat as much natural food as I possibly could. You know, whether it's simply bananas, peanut butter, hand, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, or a turkey sandwich at lunch instead of you know cookies and pastries, like putting natural food in your body when you're riding that much, it helps. And Mm -hmm. you don't need, you're not in the middle of a race. So I don't need like that quick sugary intake. So these, the foods, especially over a longer time, it's easier on your stomach to digest because you're not putting your body. We like sugar, but your body does not like sugar when you're putting that much in it day in, day out. That's why tons of people have, Oh, I got stomach problems. Quit eating so much sugar. You don't need that much sugar. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, you know, and stopping to take pictures. Sometimes yeah. it's I take pictures as I'm rolling and riding, and other times it's like, holy shit, look at that. You know, you got to do a U-turn because yeah. there's a cool sunset or there's like, you know, it, at one of these points I'm I'm trying to go through and, get like all these epic photos that I got from the year and ride detail. And, uh, I've been very void from social media over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I want to put it all up on Instagram, on my Instagram. Um, and then also create a website because ultimately I'd like to create, uh, become a tour guide up here in Northern California and yeah. be able to showcase this area of which I ride and allow people to come up on going tours and, have set routes of, you know, a 40 or 50 mile ride or a 60 or an 80 mile ride, but then also do custom routes for people and also make like some extreme rides of the stuff I like doing, like do a, a three day tour, but every ride is a hundred miles with 10,000 feet of climbing. So make it challenging for well, people like that. I was going to, have you thought about doing endurance racing? Have you looked into it? I mean, you're a racer at heart. Uh, is this something that you want to get into? I don't even know if there is such a thing. You have to tell me, but, uh, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, yeah, there's frog eating contests. I mean, like if you think <laughs> about something, there's somebody out there doing it or have already done it or there's yeah. a world champion. I don't know. So do you want to um, do that? Or, or like, is that something? The, some of it? Yes. I mean, like, uh, I'm trying not to get too overeager and be like, oh, yeah, I can go do this and do these trans-Siberian races and race for 52 hours straight. Like, I'm not at that level yet, no, nor am I at that crazy level yet to do want to do that. So, uh, but I'm completely more dialed into endurance aspects of all cycling at this point, the I totally appreciate my buddies who do crit racing and road racing. Um, but the endurance aspect of just pushing yourself over longer distances, the journey of what you get to see. Um, I never would have thought I'd be putting lights on my road bike and riding at the dark, but it's some of the coolest thing ever. Like your natural area that you ride in, all of a sudden you put on the lights and you're riding at five o'clock in the morning up Mount Diablo of, and you'd seeing bobcats run out in front of you and it scares the crap out of you, but at the same time, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Right? So, 
um, it's a completely different riding that you experience. It's you, you, you Jesus, Brandis, you went 600 miles or more four straight weeks in May. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, that's it's just phenomenal. How do you how does your bike you got a canyon? You told me you got a canyon. Uh, how many yeah. parts? How many gears and cogs do you go through? Derailers. Um, thankfully, not too many derailers because they don't crash very much. Yeah, except by cars. But anyways, uh, <laughs> you no, know, the parts level. Change. Talk about that later. Change gears. Uh, right. Tires. Mm. Set of t- usually a set of tires a month. Unless you're just running over glass and shit, and you've got to dispose of one, but do you have a, do you have a tire sponsor? No, I need one. Okay, I'm gonna Go get on. you. I'm gonna get you one. Um, so usually brake pads once a month as well, just from all the climbing yeah. and descending. Right. Um, and if the roads are wet and grimy during the winter time, usually brake pads every two weeks. Um, one chain a month. Uh, complete drivetrain usually every three months. So I'll rotate a new chain every every month just to try and help right. keep the uh, uh, the the drivetrain going. Um, bleed the uh, the brakes every once in a while. Uh, usually like twice a year. Uh, I do all my own stuff, so I'll take everything apart. Um, usually. Surprisingly or not, usually go through a set of pedals okay. uh, once a year because they're they're carbon fiber. So clicking in and out and riding mm-hmm. throughout the year, they wear out. And regardless of the uh, uh, so the way the cleat clips on there on the front, it just it just wears the groove out in the right. in the Shimano pedals, and it's it's what it is. So um, quite a bit of parts, I'll say that. Um, yeah, I bet. the bike is held up good. The, the only really major mechanical I had was uh, uh, rear derailleur, the electronic ones. It, oh, you, you the Bluetooth one? Pro- yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the SRAM 12C. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just froze on me one day. I was I was still like 30 miles from home, and it and it wouldn't shift, and and I I was stuck in the gear I was stuck in, and <laughs> it made for a tough ride home. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast for. Brought to you by the folks at Fly Racing. I want to thank the folks at Motorsport.com. Go through the banner on PulpMX.com or PulpMXShow.com to go to Motorsport. There's a whole PulpMX Show segment on there to help you uh, save some money as well and support our partners on Motorsport.com. Free shipping and everything over 79 bucks. Great return policy. The Driven to Ride video, RV and Weimer and myself, it's in there. Links to it on there. Uh, they got, of course, great Christmas sales depending on when you're listening to this. Thanks to Motorsport.com. And uh, OEM and aftermarket parts, UTV parts, street bike parts, mountain bike stuff. They sell mountain bikes, heck. Got a bunch of e-bikes as well. Thank you to motorsport.com for supporting us. And go through the banner. Help us out, please. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, if you have any issues with motorsport, any concerns, anything isn't uh, jiving or you just want to pass on a good word or you want to pass on a complaint, use the contact form on pulpamex.com. I will make sure that you get handled properly. Although, not really going to happen because those guys are great. Thank you to those guys. Also, uh, Cobalinks, 
K-O-U-B-A-Links.com. You can get them at motorsport.com, Cobalinks.com. It's a lowering suspension link from everything from Aprilia to Yamaha's. So if you're shorter of stature, your wife or your girlfriend rides, you want to get a bit, a bit more confidence, have your suspension work better, Cobalinks is a lowering suspension link, and it just gives you a bit more comfort on the motorcycle. Use the code PulpMX to get free shipping and save. They're all designed and built up in Idaho, American-made. Uh, and use the code PulpMX to save at Cobalinks.com. We thank those guys for the support. And I've got a few people that have used the code. Well, more than a few, but a few people have used the code and sent me uh, DMs and talked about how great it was and how it worked and how it fit and how much better they felt on the bike. So thank you to the folks at Cobalinks, Motorsport, Renthal, of course, Maxxis Tires, all on board with this. Are you sketched out by cars at all? Like, I, I do a little bit of road riding. I mostly mountain bike. Uh, I got an e-bike. And the cars on the road have definitely, I mean, I do, I do out by Red Rock, there's some nice trails and wide shoulders, but I've been on some roads that, man, I get kind of freaked out on. I, with the amount of miles you're putting in, it's probably second nature to you, but you've got to have some close calls. Uh, you, so what I've done is initially, you know, when I, back in the day, I was like, oh, I'm invincible or the attitude that a lot of people have riding road bikes is they feel that they deserve the road and that the cars should get out of their way. But in reality, that's just not the way things work. Mm -hmm. I take a different approach of drivers are usually terrible and not going to look out for it. Some of them are, some drivers are great, but the other 99% are not very courteous to us people on bicycles and micro. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So I have, over time, the, the experience of certain times a day, you ride in certain areas, mm -hmm. certain um, roads, you ride in some directions or not. And some areas, you just don't ride in at all. There's there's some areas around here that have some, some nice climbing, some nice roads about some reservoirs, but the traffic, the way that people drive out there because it's unpatrolled, mm -hmm. So you're out in the middle of nowhere, lollygagging, you know, riding side by side with your buddy. And then all of a sudden, two idiots come by and they're driving like 75 miles an hour and they're buzzy and they give you no room. Completely unnecessary. But at the same point, it's like, this is what's going to happen. I, myself, you, we're not going to prevent cars to drive better. It's just what it's going to be. So I've spent a lot of time remapping out my roads, where I ride, directions. Yeah. Sure. Uh, found a lot of cool new little small roads, cut-throughs, little single-lane stuff that you never thought was there. Uh, so I do spend a lot of time watching out from cars. Uh, I've I've been hit by several cars, but hit, when I say hit, more like side swipes. So... Um, I haven't been down, so it's not like a car swipe swipe me and I had a big accident. It's more like a, a car pulls up alongside you and then just hangs the right turn and then you slam into their door. And I've been fortunate enough to bounce off the side of the car and stay upright and then it's like just, just a, get in a, a wonderful uh, conversation with the person afterwards. It's like a first turn at Troy, Ohio or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, you know, as long as you're on the inside, you just go for it and do right. the best. Uh, <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's happened a se several times. I did have one bad incident a couple months ago. 
descending down uh, the descending down a big mountain range, like a uh, like a twenty five hundred foot descent, mm-hmm. coming down like midway through, flowing at like forty five miles an hour around the corner, and there's a car coming up the hill, and I'm like, there's no way they're gonna turn. Sure enough, she pulls out, and I'm like, oh crap, it's over. So I slam on the brakes. I, I did realize this that you can ride a front wheelie on a road bike at around 35 miles an hour. <laughs> um, not by choice, but it, it, it worked. Yeah. So yeah. then the car is it, it's pulling across my lane. She sees me, but she freezes. So she just stops in the, in the <laughs> middle of my lane. Right. And had she just kept going, I would have gave her the bird. All good. But she stopped. And I'm riding the front wheel. And I'm trying to slow down. And I realize I'm just going to drill her. So I kind of just last minute kind of go sideways and throw my shoulder into the car so I don't just taco my wheels and, you know, break your forks and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I came at an angle. And I hit the side of their car and I bounced off. I stayed us right somehow. Uh, and, yeah, then there was a wonderful conversation I had with that uh, that couple right there. Yeah, um, that was a good one. Uh, so, close calls, yes. Yeah. Um, no no ambulance visits. Well, that's good. Been fortunate enough with that. I think a lot has to do with choosing the roads I ride and making changes and not riding the... Yeah, sounds like you, you put some thought into it. Yeah. Yeah, because there's there's a handful of people I know that ride up in the area and they ride very busy roads. And because it's part of a group ride that's been there for 20 years, they're not going to change it. So that kind of led me into doing a lot more solo rides by picking the roads. I like that were safer to me that I knew were going to be, I was going to make it home. No problem. Um, Usually on the, you pick the side roads, they're better off. There's, there's less debris alongside the road that people aren't throwing out the trash. Um, you know, so I've, I've had to do a lot of work and on that aspect of finding different roads to make it all work. Um, you know, to, am I going to run into bad drivers in the future? I guarantee it. I probably will tomorrow. Um, it's just the way it is. Uh, no mountain biking, not into it, not, not interested. Extremely interested into it. Um, but the problem is, is like, if I'm going to ride a mountain bike, why wouldn't I just get a motorcycle? Uh, the problem is that I would not take it easy on a mountain bike. Yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I start shooting road gaps, and and then it, it puts me back in the possibility of yep. uh, injuring myself. And I just, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. That's all. What's the uh, What's the deepest you've been in your pain cave? Like, what's the What's one or two rides that you're just like, I, I don't know if I like. Did you 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 cramped up or? Or, you know, anything like that? There's been a handful of ones that you just, you get so depleted that your toes hurt. Mm -hmm. It's like (laughs) you have like flu-like symptoms, like the aches that go through your body, but your stomach's churning because it's just irritated and mad at you. And so you can't like, you can't just power down some gels at a sandwich and a Coke and be good to go. Cause you do that. It feels like you're going to barf. Yeah. And you get to the point where it's like, 
I mean, I'm just using this all didn't happen at once, but you get these these feelings of like it's almost like you get overheated at times. Like if you're doing long climbs in the heat and it's, you know, mile 110 and you still got 2,000 feet to go and it's hot and the sun's on your back, it feels like you got like a wet blanket around your, your head. Like, you know, when you go underwater in a pool, but you can hear things, but it's all muffled, yep. your hearing will get like that. Um, I've never really had my vision issues, but just like, it just feels like heavy to breathe. Uh, and shit just hurts. It just, your body's crying out to say, no, it's just saying, please stop. Like your feet hurt, your ass hurts, your neck, your elbows, your toe, your eyelids, like you're just at your limit. And then there's points where you got 15 miles to go and you're just about ready to pull over and call it an Uber because it's just <laughs> done with it. Yeah. And you get the glimpse of the sun setting and you, something switches in your mind and then the legs just start spinning a little bit easier. And you're like, I was almost ready to give up. I was mm-hmm. almost ready to give up. And it's that happened on a couple occasions in the beginning and I realized push through it. You always hear a lot of cyclists and then other types of athletes will say, keep pushing. Your body will adapt. You're, I mean, there's a point you can't, mm-hmm. you know, go wide open all day, but you can make it through stuff, slow your pace down, deal with your breathing, control yourself. Like there's a lot of times you can make it through. It's still suffering and you're still hurting. And, Believe me, you wake up in the morning, you don't feel the best, but then sometimes you decide to, you know, fire up the coffee, <laughs> get some oatmeal, put on your bibs, and hey, why not? Let's go do it again. And uh, there's a lot to it more because it's when you get out on these rides and you're on these these cool places, and it gets, for me, it can get me at such a, a point of peace. Like even though you're riding and it's hard, like mentally I can go and I can spend honestly a couple hours where like my mind will kind of go blank and you just listen to music and you're mm-hmm. just thinking, you know, life is good. Uh, and it, it puts you at a different, <laughs> puts you a different perspective in life of the problems mm-hmm. that, you know, Oh, I got this going on. I got this. It just puts you at ease, and for me, I like it's a it's a huge stress reliever as well. But when it comes down to it, it's just it is an addictive sport, and yeah, and it's fun. There's just there's a lot to it. It's Are, uh, I'm I'm guessing, and I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you you may have an addictive personality, and if it wasn't cycling right now, it could be <laughs> drinking, or when you were racing, maybe you were dirt, riding dirt bikes all the time. And whatever you do, you do it a hundred percent. Whatever you're into, is that sort of your your oh, personality? No, it's one hundred percent the way. It is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Most most athletes and most let's say people, uh, even with outside the sport, that are extremely successful, you you dig. You want to do more. You want to get better. I can, I can't speak for everybody, but yeah, that's the way yeah. my personality is. When I was riding dirt bikes, 
I woke up, I wanted to ride a dirt bike until I went to sleep. I'd wake mm-hmm. up, I wanted to ride a dirt bike until I didn't. Um, yeah, and I had I had a lot of problems with, with drinking as well. And when, uh, if I wasn't racing and being productive, yeah, I yeah. would, yeah, I would drink a lot. And it was, you know, uh, created all kinds of issues. And then when you're able to clear up that and realize and go back to the good things in life, uh, there's a much better and amazing world out there. And it's, uh, it, yeah, you know, you appreciate it in different aspects. Michael Brandis on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, uh, talking moto, talking bicycling. Follow him on Strava, Michael Brandis, and check out these these rides uh, Brandis has been doing. It's pretty pretty gnarly. What uh, what's your favorite ride? Do you have one that scenery wise or challenging wise? Do you have one that you you really like that you've done the most? Or I think there's uh, so I I don't always do the exact same. I see that route. Yeah, I see you. Um, you. I'll slightly mix it up, but the area, the area in which I love riding the most is the the peninsula, which is south of San Francisco. All the redwoods, some of the uh, more known climbs would be like Tanitas Creek, Old La Honda, um, Kings Mountain. Mm-hmm. And you can go even further south into like Big Basin National Park. Um, Zayani Road, like there's so many great climbs that, um, and all of it, a lot of this stuff is all single lane roads. And so I just, one day I'll loop these together. One day I'll loop these together. Mm-hmm. Hey, screw it. Why not? One day I'll just loop them all together. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the area, it's so great to ride that. I mean, even if it rains over there, like you still have a good time because it's, you're up in the mountains. You can oversee the ocean. Um, I mean, come on. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And so that area between Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz Mountains north, that whole peninsula, that whole uh, ridge and mountain over there up, um, not all the way to San Francisco, but below San Francisco yeah. a little bit, it's, uh, it's super awesome out there, and there's uh, a lot of people you see out there that are from uh, other countries that come over here to to visit as well because it's right. Uh, there's a place out in uh, Pescadero which uh, a lot of people love to go and have this famous garlic artichoke bread, and they got picnic tables like it's completely set up for cyclists. Like, yeah, yeah. Got oh, like cool. six picnic tables, and it's uh, yeah, it's. The, the riding out there is really nice, and that's some of the area that is, I always love to go and um, really love that place. There's even there. some videos on some of your Strava. You take some videos, so it's kind of cool that way too. Um, yeah, you know, that was a people. nice feature they started adding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's switch into moto. Uh, last time you rode a dirt bike, how many years? My goodness. Uh, and what was the last one? Where was it, and what were you doing? Were you racing or were you the just... last time I had a dirt bike in my truck was 2008. 2008. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit of riding. I borrowed a, couple, a bike here and there, um, but I used to ride up at Marysville up at E street. Um, used to work with Scott Davis up there. Um, but that was that was one of that was the first track I ever raced at was at 
E Street in Marysville. Um, so it was kind of cool that years on later, you know, circle of life that I ended up building the tracks out there and teaching lessons, uh, working with Scott Davis out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. That was one of my favorite tracks. And that's how a lot of people ask like, well, you being from California, how can you ride the sand? Like, well, that's what I grew up riding. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, I grew up riding in the mud, the sand, not typical California hard pack. I mean, I rode Hangtown, but, uh, only when I had to, not because we liked it. So, right. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a while. It's like, believe me, like when I watch, I love watching Supercross. The racing, um, is great. But when the nationals come around, I crave getting out in the hills and riding so bad. Um, but unfortunately the got to respect the body on this one and, and kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Right. Um, yeah. Where's your uh, where's your Indianapolis trophy at? You still got it? Your win? Uh yeah, yeah, it's uh it's up on the wall, of course. Nice. That's uh it's not the fanciest trophy I have. Right. That's unfortunate, but <laughs> it is what it is. It has sentimental value, so we're all good with that. We were talking about that race a little while ago and it was such a it was such a Travis Pastrana hype race. It was the opening round of the East Coast. It was uh, this guy and that guy and this guy, and you just – you had a night, man, and you were gone, you know. Uh, that was pretty cool, I imagine, because, yeah, not many people had you doing that, you know. It was – no, I mean, because honestly – all right, got to give me a second here to think about this, because I, I was supposed to ride West Coast that year, but I had screwed up my – back and so i didn't ride west coast and then two weeks before indy we were testing and i completely just wadded it up through the whoops and fractured my wrist and uh i didn't ride for those i think it was two or two and a half weeks before indy like i wasn't even gonna go like i couldn't even do a push-up oh wow and uh no, it was bad. Um, and Bob Moore kept telling me, he's like, just go, just go, just go. I mean, sorry, sorry. I didn't report. My bad. Um, and he's like, just go and try, regardless of whether you can or you can't. Because at that point, I'm like, well, I can't even do a push-up. How am I going to ride <laughs> a set of, of whoops or a case of triple like what and also uh, also hey danny my bike is super slow also danny <laughs> they were aware of that i told them every day don't worry about that one not great yeah yeah oh yeah unfortunately hey uh dan bentley i'm sorry for being a dick all those years uh yeah. that's what it was i was there in 98 at first year of the aluminum frame and yeah i was Really, nothing that they could do was the frame design and airbox and all that. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no that yep. that day was unexpected. I had I didn't even think that I was going to make it through one set of practice, and somehow that's a very tight track. There was no big crazy rhythms. Everything was honestly. Uh, I don't know. It was rideable without having 
no big quad section. Mm-hmm. You would have an A1 or, or whoops, they were four feet tall. So it was, it was a very painful day of taping it up and uh, uh, trying to get some injections to calm it down. And it was just, you know, I did what I could, but it was still hard. And then I tried the following week. I think I tried racing one more weekend after that. And then at that point, it was just like, I got to give this a break or I'm just going to ruin it and not be able to ride anymore this year. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the, year, the year definitely started off good with the win, and then it just went, phew, and then I don't <laughs> think I started the last three races. So Yeah, yeah. But, you, um, dude, you got that. That's a lot more than a lot of guys can say, you know. Um, it was uh, – so here's uh, here's one thing that I don't think – too many people know whatsoever, but mm-hmm. I think it was 19, up until around 1994 when uh, I'd done my first national hangtown, got a 10th, and like all the winter series, Golden State and GFIs, winning all that stuff. I had zero ambition to ride Supercross ever, ever. Um, it was never on the radar. Mm-hmm. And it came to terms that, well, the only way I'm ever going to be able to ride on a good team or a factory team and ever get paid any money is if I ride Supercross. Um, yeah. So I had to suck it up and learn it, and I hated every single day, every time I got out there. It's funny because your, your Supercross results are probably better than your outdoor results. Obviously, it's a split coast, right? But you have yeah. a ton of top fives in Supercross. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I think, uh, what, one, two, three, four. Yeah, I have five podiums. Yeah. Some of that, yeah. Um, so, you know, like outdoors, you got, you definitely, you got, you got a third at high point, uh, 99. That was, uh, well, was kind of muddy, I think. Uh, that, that No, it wasn't. No, 99. No, no, no. no. That, yeah. was, that was uh, good. Um, so, that, yeah, you've that had. That was the one year it wasn't, but that was a. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely remember. That was one of my probably the races that I was the most excited about at, at high point that year going two three with you know Ricky went one one and then me and Bowen went two three. I think that was one of my most proud days of racing of i always me personally, I always looked at outdoor in a much higher aspect than supercross it was Motocross is real. That's what we all started riding dirt bikes way back in the day. Uh, and Supercross, I mean, Supercross is awesome, and it's the future of motocross, but it just wasn't my thing. Um, did, have and, you, did you ever suffer at an outdoor national like you've suffered on your bicycle? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Not with I, your rides. At the time... At the time, back in the day, I'd be, oh, I was dying out there. Oh, yeah, it was like 15 minutes of hell. It's like, shut up. Like, so You're like, the, ten, 10 years from now, I will be doing 160 miles in a day. Oh, it's, yeah, uh, yeah you know, how had I had the, the mind, I mean, all of us, you know, had the, the mindset and ability to understand the body and learn and suffer and adapt and uh yeah, every every single person would have been a, a better writer, a better person had they attributed the same way. I mean, yeah. uh, honestly, if my mindset, the way I ride and train and do things now, 
if I put this back in from, say, like 97 yep. to that era, I, it would have been mm-hmm. not a little bit there. It would have been drastically different across the board in those years. Absolutely. No, for sure. Uh, you would have had no time to – you needed, You would have had to cu- cut back on the 172-mile rides to ride your dirt bike a little bit, Brandis. But, yes, it would have definitely helped for sure. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah, but you can, you can still do it in a different aspect that I yeah. just didn't – you've got to push and push like, uh, you know, Alden Baker. Why is he successful? Because he, he gets his guys to push and push and push, and everyone wants to go, I need a break, I need a break. No, you have to turn yourself into a demon and just push yourself mm-hmm. so much so you know what actual terrible physical pain is. And then if you back it down a notch, guess what? You can do that. Mm-hmm. Then you're only in misery, and you can do misery for 45 minutes every day. Uh, you know, there's certain people, um, you know. Yeah. yeah no, Mr. Yeah. Eli, he does a pretty good job at that. He puts in... He's got a good background for the cycling. I think there's a handful of people that use cycling as a training aspect. Uh, I don't know um, Mr. Dylan Ferrandez personally, but I've heard him make comments about, I just like to go cycling, cycling Mm -hmm. and being a French guy. If he, depending on his level of cycling, it's a big, it's a big thing when you're able to, put yourself deep into a hurt zone, not for 10 or 15 minutes, but mm-hmm. for four or five hours. And then you're like, Oh, I only got to do 40 minutes, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's you, huge. And people, how structured are you with a, with a power meter and a heart rate and all that while on these rides? Or do you, is it, is it not? No, yeah, I, I, I pay attention to it every day. Okay. So yeah. So you're, you're, when you're doing these rides, you're also, um, uh, yeah. Structured that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of, so I don't – let me see here. I will use my heart rate on the longer rides. You kind of use your heart rate to kind of keep yourself in check of where you're going. But I will honestly – excuse me – use the the power meter to kind of back you down because if you're having a good day and you're climbing and you're only at mile 30 and you still got 100 miles to go mm-hmm. – you got to kind of keep yourself in check and slow down at times. Mm-hmm. You know, you ride with people like, I feel great. I'm going to charge it. You're like, dude, you're going to die later. Right. So right. it's like, it's, it works in many ways. It helps you if you're performing tests to see what your, you know, you can overlap your, your heart rate and your power on the same climb. And mm-hmm. you can, there's a lot of data you can do. Yeah. Um, but you're looking at all this, you're checking it. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. pay attention to it. And yep. there's times where, you know, if you're, you know, the first time I went on like a 12 hour ride and my head unit died and I had no data, I'm like, I'm lost. What am I doing? Like, it felt like I had blinders on because you don't have any of your data anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you pay attention to it and, and use it. Uh, at times you look at it and you can be blown away by, like, wow, I put out some good power to a low heart rate. And other times you look at it, you're like, that's all I did? Like, what? <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, yeah. But it's it's a good indicator to judge your fitness as well. Um, so you can understand of like days you need to slow up. You know, I I don't use a whoop, but it's equivalent. You know, it's just highly more sophisticated whoop detail. Uh, of yep. Being able to monitor your body and what's going on. So uh, all that data, yeah, I 
I like it. I like to look at the stuff and see what's going on and uh, definitely use it on every ride. Yeah. Well, going, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, okay. So, and then I, I listen to music. I put AirPods in and I almost yeah. always have to have music. Are you that way? Or are you a little more sketchy with cars? So do you, do you not use it or as much or what do you do? To, do you, oh, no, I listen, uh, I listen to music regardless of every day I ride, but I do it completely different than what you see. So, uh, I use like a small portable speaker that oh, okay. uh, adheres to my jersey, so I don't have anything in my ears. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. people go, "Oh, you can't listen to music." I go, "No, no, I don't have earbuds in." Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see a picture. I'll have like a a little gray circle like up above uh, your collar on my chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. people ask like, "What is that?" And I go, "It's my little music speaker," and so that way I can listen to music. And honestly, like on long, long days having earbuds in it kind of irritates your ears mm-hmm. um so it's just it's one of the things that i figured out that that works for me on my long rides and i like listening to music or listening to some bill burr for a while that's always a good time yeah uh, <laughs> uh or some some motivational stuff you listen to a little david goggins every once in a while nice. mix it up you know um a little bit of everything yeah well, but uh definitely yeah. music uh that's helpful, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable, man. Um, <clears throat> you should be really proud of yourself on this on these rides. It's it's impressive. Um, like you said to me when we were talking before, if there was only somehow to make some money from these rides, but the tour guide thing sounds good. If you can get that up and going, uh, yeah, I'm gonna spend. Uh, I don't have everything in place, obviously not, but that is that's what I'm really trying to do because that's. That's what I like. This is what I love doing, and mm-hmm. when I'm out exercising, riding, like. I enjoy myself. I'm a better person, but I also, at the same point, you meet people. And if you can help motivate other people to do rides and you see people progress it, we're only able to do a 40 mile ride. And then now you see them doing a hundred mile ride and they're like, thank you for, you know, riding with me or supporting me or encouraging me to do 5,000 feet and then 6,000 feet. I enjoy that stuff. And I, uh, so it's, it's a, a good area to be able to be active and push myself mm-hmm. and still be in that area where I want to be. But an opportunity to show people the wonderful roads we have up here, uh, encourage them, help people get better, um, can give people, you know, training platforms. Um, not like I'm going to set them up to go win pro crit races, but people that want to learn how to become a better endurance rider. That's, that's what I would consider my my training specialty is. Of I've I've mastered it out pretty well, and I don't consider myself to be any sort of superhuman. I consider myself to be dedicated to a structured program. Uh, and there's times where you make sacrifices, but the rewards come from it. And this is a a pure example of you put in the work, and it shows. And yeah, uh, it's. I am, I am completely blown away still myself, um, at what I was able to accomplish this year. I never went out in January. This was not my idea of what I was going to do this year. Mm-hmm. It just happened to go that way. The opportunity came, and I went with it. And good job, man! Impressive. Uh, like I said, like Will Hahn, Zach Osborne, Phil Nicoletti, other guys. We're, we're all. In our group text, we're like, did you see this ride? 
<laughs> it's, it's something else, man. So you got a lot of moto guys that follow you too, you know, that are into training and can't believe what you've been doing. So that's good when, yeah, when, those, be, uh, when those guys are impressed. Yeah, I, yeah. I chat uh, uh, a little bit back and forth with uh, Will and Phil. I see the, um, mm-hmm. their names from time to time when they're not too busy. But I know everyone's busy and all over the place, but it will be fun to uh, be able to group something together and get everybody together and go on a big ride somehow, even though yeah. everyone lives all over the country. That might be kind of tough. Yeah, we can figure it out. Uh, m- thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for the – the other podcast we did a few years back, and uh, I talked to you for a Moto Triple X story, and your your quotes were funny in that one too. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah. definitely love to uh, check up with you because uh, once I get some some more information, uh, if you're interested to hear about the, my ride tour stuff I got up and what I got planned for next year, I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Uh, yeah, do up it. Here. No, please do. Yeah, uh, you, but for that brand, is you're going to have to get a social account and everything. You know that, right? Working on it. Working on it. <laughs> gonna, but no, I'll absolutely help you uh, get it rolling and promote it, and maybe some of our listeners will will, will do it. Um, so, yeah, no problem on that, man. Um, thanks for the time. Thank you. Anytime. Have a good day. See ya. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.